Welcome to the Sacred Feminine Power podcast, where we explore the many facets of feminine power and why it is so important for women and for men to step into this power in our world at this time. This is Emmy from Feminine Revered, and my wonderful guest for today is Tanya Langford. Tanya is the creator of the recently launched initiative, I Am Woman Empowerment Programs, which provide a holistic approach to women who are struggling due to long-term effects of trauma associated with all forms of abuse they have experienced in their lives. Having worked in this field for the past 10 years and drawing on her own lived experiences, Tanya has had immense success in transforming the lives of hundreds of women using a combination of counseling, varied therapies, and her unique 15-week Breaking Free and Finding Me program. Tanya and her team of therapists guide women on their healing journeys whilst providing knowledge for them to develop self-care strategies to bring balance and harmony to their body, mind, soul, whilst reclaiming their feminine power and the ability to live as an empowered, strong woman. Tanya is from Pinjara, West Australia. Welcome, Tanya. Hello there. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an absolute blessing to have you with us, Tanya. And your focus area is is so strongly in my heart and very close to my heart and the work I have also done in the past. So I'm really looking forward to learning from you today. I think that's mutual between us. Thank you. Mm, thanks, Tanya. Now, since my podcast is called Sacred Feminine Power, I love to start by asking my guests, what does sacred feminine power mean to you personally? Uh, thank you, Emmy. It's It means everything to me, really, and um, for where I am now in my life. So really thinking about this question and what I'd like to share with you and the listeners, the knowledge of living a large part of my life feeling powerless and voiceless to now really only in the most recent years getting to a point on my healing journey and my my own empowerment, my own education journey to have had enough um, experience and what I've been exposed to to recognise that um, I am at the best place I have been in my whole life and um, every day and the work that I've done these past years and the initiative that I've just launched but the other initiative that I've been running for the last three years um, Every day I'm, I am honouring my sacred feminine power and um, the work that I do to guide other women into finding theirs. In saying that, I also realise that, um, you know, even meeting you and having this connection and, and other women I've met more recently and being drawn very much to this um, womb, womb healing aspect and knowing this is something I really want to dive very much deeper into because I can just see the, the potential for the work that I do. So also with thinking about my own sacred feminine power, um, it just fits exactly into what I do in my professional and work life and really what I've dedicated my life to these past 15 years. I went back to university as a mature age student in 2009 with um a really burning desire to elevate myself so I could have a voice and I could make a difference and combine it, combining it with other modalities that I have, have done in, in over the years and also my own life experiences to commit myself to assisting women who have experienced all forms of abuse and violence, including sexual and also including childhood, 
and guide them on their healing journeys. As I work solely with women who have suffered trauma and when I first meet them, seeing how disempowered they are, that, that really connects with me because I, I know that that's where I have been. So guiding these women on their healing journeys and the work that I do and the successes that I've had, I know that I'm also moving them forward to the point where they can recognise and claim they, their sacred feminine power and all that it means to be an empowered woman, just as I have done personally. I also, reflecting on this question um, and this aspect of, of even saying fe feminine power, um, it really brought to my mind this aspect of power. Working in this space of gender-based violence, we have a very strong awareness of the aspect of where power sits and that traditionally and still for very many, and this is what this is the challenge that we have with dealing with this issue, it is very much a masculine construct. So a lot of the work that I do with the women is around helping them develop their personal power and giving them the knowledge of how and where they have been giving it away. And this is so huge in this, in this space of um, giving women the opportunity to grow and, and move forward. And there comes with that, obviously, as you know, there's a lot of unlearning as well. Um, but paving the way forward for them to firstly gain, gain self-power and, and personal power and then step into what, what is our feminine power and it's this journey, and it's this journey, as I say, for me, you know, um, I bring it back to myself. It has really only been recent years that I, I honestly can say I'm, I feel that, I know that. Um, and what I also will add, and this is just me and my personal, um, my personal view on this, working with so many women at the coalface and, and, and knowing what that disempowerment is, um, that for many women, if they don't get the right help, they will live their whole life in a space of being disempowered. So this, this aspect of sacred feminine power and, and this amazing growth that, that, that you are a part of and, and women like you and some of the women I've been listening to in the Oracle Journeys who are in this space doing this amazing work, which is so, so needed, um, I guess for me, I'm so aware of the the reality that for, for many women, they they wouldn't even know what what that even means um, in in their lives where they are at, um, which is just that 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 reality of, of where it is and why this work is so important. And the more the more we can share and and this this podcast and even having this opportunity, but all all that you do in this space, it is about um, raising this awareness and raising this opportunity for more women to to realize there is another there is another path that they can be on and they don't have to stay trapped where they are um, so yeah that, that that's my thoughts on this aspect of sacred feminine power mm, thank you so much for sharing that Tanya that uh, opens up so many beautiful avenues to explore at a deeper level as well and I think really the reminder that so many women, even in 2022, are still living lives of total disempowerment and abuse all around the world. And it's, it's quite yeah. a startling statistics when you start to go into 
the numbers around gender-based violence. And perhaps we can dip into that a little bit later on and, and talk a bit sure. more about what that actually means. But before yeah. we go there, Tanya, would you please share a challenge that you faced on your path that's really helped you to start to activate sacred feminine power? Sure. Thank you. Um, I suppose where, where I've gone in thinking about answering this question um, what just came from me and whether it's answering exactly how you how you are imagining, but I can only go with what's come from me. So for me to honestly answer this, the, the challenge that I've had in my life, that it has played out several times in my life, and that is the relationships that I have entered into being unhealthy and damaging and and for my journey of um, constantly trying to improve myself and doing self-improvement and starting my own spiritual journey and having counselling and doing so much, yet somehow I kept falling back into this same black hole. In fact, that's what I call it, the black hole, that I fall in and I'm stuck down the bottom of it and then I have to crawl my way out of it or claw my way out of it and then I fall down another black hole. Um, so this, this challenge, what, and you know, I've heard so many women say this to me and it just resonates like, what is wrong with me? Why does this keep happening to me? So this challenge that I've been facing is how do I break this pattern? About 10 years ago, I, um, picked up the book and I'd heard about it and I just, it had just never found its way to me, but I finally picked it up. It's called Women Who Love Too Much. Have you heard of that? I have heard of it, yeah. Yeah, by Robin Norwood. It's actually from the 80s and it sold millions of copies around the world. This book changed my life and and has helped me help many other women. But what it did for me, it answered that question. I I got to recognise that I'm I'm not alone. This this pattern that I'm in and this cycle that I'm in um, and and. That's, that had been holding me back from really taking my, my self-development and my learning and, and getting to that place of being empowered because I wasn't empowered um, because every time you fall back into um, a harmful relationship, you're disempowered, obviously. So that book and then from there, other work that I did and, um, and meeting, meeting other women along the way and doing other courses, but the realisation, what does it mean to be a woman who loves too much? It means that you're always seeking validation externally um, in codependency, putting all of your attention into your partner and not feeling whole unless you are with a partner and, and then doing all that you can to help them with their issues and their problems and in all of this, never, ever going within you, really, and looking at what, what do I need to, for, for me to be whole. So after reading that um, and then my path took me to university and combining that and other synchronicities and different experiences and um, meeting other women and who've been teachers to me and mentors and step-by-step, step, I have moved forward and accomplished some really wonderful things over these years. So along this way, I I have found my 
sacred feminine power and and it just keeps growing and the, as I keep working with more women and I, I keep you know I keep doing more of my work and as I've mentioned before where I see myself now I can see very clearly this this other um, path of learning that I want to embark on so I guess um, for me this challenge for me personally has been overcoming what was holding me back and that that was me learning why I was constantly struggling and kept going back and not being able to move forward in my life. Mm. So the black hole that you were referring to, was was that uh, the abusive relationships that you were part of then? Exactly. That, and I, I've, I've journaled for years um, and, and I write about it, um, and that, that's just a very strong, very strong image that I have of when you are in that place um, and everything seems so hopeless and helpless and, and um, you know, it's struggle and how do I get out of this? Because um, as we know, working in this, in this field, um, this is the hardest thing. And, and for any, any woman who's stuck in, a, in an abusive relationship um, and that powering and control and where the fear, you know, the fear, obviously, you're afraid. And then how do I, how do I recreate my life? It's, it's not easy um but so yeah so it's that crawling out you know clawing your way you can see the light you keep moving to the light you get you get out of it and as so many women do and I've worked with so many women who have gone through this process several times in their life and it's tiring it's hard recreating yourself and you've got children you've got to get them into new schools and get another house and and deal with the all that comes with that um so there you are, you're standing up and, you know, yeah, I've got this and, you know, moving forward and getting on with life as you do. Um, but unfortunately, until you've done your work and until you've learned what you've got to learn, and that's exactly what I have been able to do, especially with that 15-week program, um, and see, see the results when the women come through it and they've learned it's taken me a long, long time to learn those things. I, I, and I, I love being able to share that with women who are younger than me and, and know that they now have the power to change their life path. But for so many women, if you don't learn this um, and no one can assist you, it's one thing to go and do um, a, a short a short course, and there's plenty of short courses around, but this is deep work, and it's the healing the trauma as well, and anyone who knows anything about healing trauma, um, it's not a, there's no quick fix, but it's the combination. I think that's the thing, you know, about the approach that I have developed. It's this holistic approach, but um, the the, the psychoeducational aspect and the learning and the behaviour change and the thought process change, we all know it takes something like, you know, there's the, so it takes something like 30 days to change a thought, a thought pattern, but you must be committed and you must do your work. In the, these aspects of, of a woman who, who, like for me, I call myself, and if you read the book of Robin Norwood, she calls it, an, it is actually an addiction. She compares it to an addiction. Um, you, are, you are hooked into 
a certain type of person, a certain type of relationship, and you will just keep going back to it. You can get you can get clean, you can get dry, but until you learn what you've got to learn, you will go back to it. Mm, absolutely. And and have have you also noticed that for some of the women that you work with, this could be a generational pattern that's coming from their mothers and grandmothers and, and possibly even beyond? Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um yeah, that I mean it, it is complex. So many of the women. I mean, I've I've worked with a couple of women recently. And there, which where where childhood abuse sits in this, especially childhood sexual abuse. But you know, I've worked with a couple of women. They're three generations, and most likely more actually of, of childhood sexual abuse. So their mothers were sexually abused as children. They've been sexually abused as children, and their children have been sexually abused. So you know that that that's that just is incredible. But um, but certainly, um, we all know that you know for a large part. Um, it is. It does go back to the childhood, and it goes back to what you've been exposed to. Not always. Um, there are exceptions to the rule, but 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 we know that um, if you've grown up and what what you've been what you've observed and the, the the patterns between the male, the mother, and the father, or if you know if the mother is a single mother, we've got lots of single mothers now. But the patterns of, and this is the sad reality as well. Um, the men that come into their mother's life and then then the mother gets rid of that that man but then an, another one comes in so it's this it is all enmeshed into how how a girl is growing and um, and what what she's observing so absolutely and I mean this 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 is such su such a big area um I'm also I've also um, had some had a program running last year at our local high school for high school girls and um, teaching them aspects of um, awareness around relationship and what you know what what what's a healthy relationship what's an unhealthy relationship many girls don't know they just don't know um, and and then then where that fits into the you know in in those teen years what's um, what's appropriate and what's not appropriate as far as um, sexual sexual approaches by by boys and then you know we bring into that um there's so many aspects now he brings in bring into that the phones and the sexual sexual images but it's the so many girls just it's this it comes back to this their belief that that the male has the power and it's for them to be sub it's this submissive aspect um so teaching that to teenage girls is is what needs to be happening obviously you know we need to be We need to be working at, at, at the different levels, obviously working with women and giving them the help that they need to get out of dangerous situations and educate them so that they will not go back into another dangerous situation because without the right education around this, um, you can take a woman out of a dangerous situation she can go into a women's refuge um, But at some point, she will again be in a situation where a male will come into her life, and if she doesn't know the things she needs to know, it will she will just go back into that situation. And this is the, is the sad reality. So it's wonderful to be able to work with women, and it's wonderful to be able to work with teenage girls. That's that's where we can really make the change, get the girls' attitudes 
to understand, get them to reclaim their feminine power. You know, why why should a woman have to wait till she's later in life and and been through all this horrible stuff? Um, yeah. I, I, I love I love the concept of, of giving that education to girls. Mm-hmm. Absolutely vital. Um, what would be some of the information that you tell these teenage girls? I mean, I think it might be important to just define gender-based violence and what that means in practice and, and what young girls or, or women who have a tendency to, to enter into abusive relationships, what are the kind of signs? What, what does gender-based violence uh, compose of? Well, gender-based violence, I suppose, um, I mean, look, really, first, first up foremost is this understanding that um, the terminology of gender-based violence, it covers all those, all those aspects. And the word, the language that's used around domestic violence for us working in this space, it's, it's a misleading word because for many women, they don't seek help because they haven't been physically hurt. So again, you know, it's this understanding that when we're talking gender-based violence, it's the different aspects. It's the it's the the verbal abuse, um, it's the psychological abuse. Um, obviously, the there's the sexual abuse. There's there's the other aspects, and it, and then again, it comes into financial. It can come into spiritual as well. But it's this understanding that gender-based violence, it is a power construct of, of the male having the power against the female. And this is where coercive control has become such a big thing. Um, apparently even in the, in the UK I have heard, I don't know how correct this is, that it's also something that, that can, it can be used in court to show. It's a very hard thing to show, actually, that coercive control has happened, but coercive control is, is, is insidious. Um, so it's understanding these aspects that, that it's all about um, the power and control and um, that the female um, has to do what she's told, that she has to be submissive. And then within that understanding the the wheel of power and control, the different types of power and control that are used and where threats, so there may not even be physical violence happen, but there's the threats. And then then there's the the threats regarding property damage or threats to to animals or or threats to children. Um, So there's it, that this is what coercive control is. It's a it's a very insidious way of controlling a, another person's behaviour through through all these impl- implied threats. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to the question that you were relating it back to, um, especially with teenage girls. But you know, teenage girls, or whether you're working with women, um, a lot of women don't know. So really what we're teaching the teenage girls and making it age age appropriate obviously for the the different ages and we start with the 12 year olds up to the 17 year olds so we we change it accordingly but whether even with a woman it is first and foremost um talking about rights you know there's this thing of right female we have got rights um you can stand up for yourself. You you can say no. This is 
you're not respecting my rights. I, I have a right to this. I have a right to that. Um, and then, then explaining what these aspects of the gender-based violence is and, and the different ways that, that, that they present. Um, so it's not just um, being physically hit. It is those other, uh, other, other aspects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think important just to mention uh, as well that gender-based violence can also occur towards men. Um, of that, course. That women can also be the abusers, but in the current patriarchal context, it is predominantly women who are the at the at the um, receiving end of the various forms of violence. Thank you for saying that, Emmy. Um, that's really important because I have got no doubt this comes up um, a lot. Um, it is in this conversation, it is definitely essential to acknowledge that. Um, however, whenever that gets thrown back at me in any situation when I'm speaking and, and I see other, other forums where other women are speaking about this issue and it, it always comes back and, you know, it's unacceptable. Violence is unacceptable. Power and control being used to hurt another person or minimise their life and take away their rights is unacceptable, full stop. However, mm-hmm. when you come from a statistical approach, that's what tells us gender-based violence. It, it ties in with history, you know, um, and understanding what patriarchy is, but understanding historically and then, you know, in certain cultures around the world, even now, um, you know, a woman's rights are, are very, very minimal compared to a male's rights. And, and a, you know, historically, a woman was, was her husband's property. Um, so we can't skirt around that, but it is definitely very important to, to acknowledge it, it, you know, it is definitely, and also in in same-sex relationships as well. And, and, and I mean, if we're going to take this even further, obviously there's the other forms um, of family violence, which is, you know, el- elder abuse um, is something that's, you know, we're hearing so much more of these days. And then I've done also a lot of work in my previous role. I worked at a youth organisation as a family support officer. Um, so I worked with families of teenagers and that's where I very, very first got to learn about the issue of um, adolescent violence towards their parents or towards their carers. Um, And I've done a lot of work with families who are predominantly single mothers and they're they're and again this is this you know this wheel the family violence the boys have seen mum getting beaten up um mum's divorced or left left the, the father um or the partner and now the and generally it's the oldest boy in the family but it, it you know again it, it can be girls as well who are then stepping into that on the man of the house role and then they're being abusive to their mothers mm. so yeah, so again, in this conversation about empowering women, and I think I I, I did um, that role for several years, and um, the amount of women I worked with who was who who were obviously they had been victims of domestic violence, they've separated or divorced from from their abuser, and now they were getting that from their sons, and or in some cases their daughters, um, and they go straight back into that victim state. So once again, working with them and working with their with their child or their you know their adolescent, um, for the women, it just it came so clear to me. I have to get you stronger. 
you know, you can't be a, a parent, especially if you're a single parent, which I have been, um, but to be parenting and doing this role as a, you know, you're doing this by yourself, but you have to get strong. And I would see women who, who were so beaten down, so beaten down, they had no self-confidence, they had no capacity to parent with any type of authority. Yeah. And it was heartbreaking, really. Um, but, I mean, a lot of people don't realise this, um, but generally speaking, I mean, here in Australia and I've, I've linked with um, people um, in England and in America as well, but generally speaking um, in Western countries, for police call-outs, one in five um, is going to be a case for an adolescent or a child because I've worked with a 10-year-old boy who was who was beating up on his mother and hurting her really badly. Um, but this it, it's a child of the the it's not a partner, it's actually the child. So the it's called adolescent adolescent violence in the home. Um, and it's it's a very serious issue. It has been for some years, but it's just another aspect. And the very sad thing is for these young people, if they don't get the right help, they will then go on to be abusive to their partners. So again, it's this intergenerational cycle. Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for bringing up that aspect as well. I think that's much less talked about as well. So mm -hmm. super yeah. important to know about. Um, just wanted to very briefly touch on the issue around inequality and also um, gender-based violence amongst the Indigenous communities. Um, yeah. What's the situation like in Australia with Aboriginals? Because I know in some other countries, uh, violence can be you know, exacerbated in, in Indigenous uh, communities. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And it is the same in Australia. Um, look, there's various statistics around. Um, but you know, Australia is su such a big country. And um, I mean, I'm in Western Australia, up the, um, up the northern part of West Australia, we have very remote communities. And um, there are Indigenous communities that are very, very remote and cut off. And um, and the services that they get are not always that great. Um, but what we do know is that, in especially in the Indigenous communities, the, the rates of domestic violence or the, the, the chance of a, of a woman being hospitalised is something like 22 times as high as what it is for, for a, you know, a white woman down here, more in um, the, main, the main areas of, of population. Um, but even like even where I live, even in the area that I, I live as well, um, we do know, and there's a number of reasons, um, like in uh, the women's centre that I've run for the last three years, um, we only had one or two um, Indigenous women come in and the previous role I did working as a family support officer I only worked in all that time with um, a very small number of Indigenous families. And unfortunately, this is a very huge challenge when you're trying to assist um, the aspect of that they don't want to come to your service. So then, you know, it's this question of, okay, what, and I, I tried, I, I asked questions to local Indigenous women that I knew you know, or, or, or I really hope to get an Indigenous woman on our team because that seemed to be what, what makes the difference. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a very challenging thing. Um, but, again, it's, it's so much deeper. And, um, you know, what I do know because I've, you know, I've, I've 
covered this in my studies and 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 also just in research but um within the indigenous families and within their culture it is it's different it's looked at differently and there's su- such an aspect of um women not wishing to go forward or to call the police um because there's su- such an element of shame and not wanting to bring shame to the families um it's it's just it's just complex all i know and that that's how it's been ex- explained to me um it's a challenge to have um culturally appropriate services for them um and it's a challenge of how we address it because for many of those women they could be getting beaten up so much but they're not going to call the police because then the families will want to take um will want to take revenge on them, be angry with them because they brought shame to the family. So, yeah, but it is, it's definitely, um, it's definitely a very serious issue. And in the Northwest, in our Northwest areas of Western Australia, we've got the Northern Territory and we've got Northern Queensland. Another very sad aspect of this is the rates of childhood sexual abuse. Um, this is just a known, a known fact. Um, it's much, much higher also. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I could talk to you about this for hours, Tanya, but let's yeah. for a moment focus on, on the positive results that you see uh, amongst those women who do go through your program. W- what changes for them when they work with you and your team? Yep, sure. So the 15-week program, um, I've run six of those now. Um, and generally, I start off with about 12, 12 women at the beginning, and um, generally we lose a couple along the way. So, on average, I'd say I've got about um, fifty-five women have have come through over the last three years. Um, so the changes are right across the board. I actually, um, I actually was very fortunate. I had a social work master student doing her placement with me at the end of last year, and she did an evaluation report on all the women who've come through and utilising the data that I collect from the women at the beginning of the 15 weeks, the data I collect from at the end when they graduate, and then she went out and caught up with where are you now and how's your life going and have you maintained? And it's just an amazing evaluation report. If anyone um, wanted to to get it, um, I'm sure there'd be links for people, but we called it Breaking the Cycle of Violence because what this report showed was just conclusively every woman that has come through this 15-week program has not gone back to an abusive relationship. So just to give you just a few little stats that I've got here of the women that at the beginning of doing the program, um, 82% of them had had some sort of childhood abuse. Um, Quite a lot of them had had sexual abuse. Um, 98% of them had some kind of diagnosable mental health issue, depression, anxiety, PTSD, and then other things like borderline personality disorder and others. Some have struggled with drugs. Um, A lot of them were on medication. But coming through the program at the end, um, just for example, self-esteem, they they, they do a self-rating at the beginning and the end, but where is your self-esteem? And most of them were sitting around about 2 out of 10 by the end, it's up to eight, nine, ten. Um, loneliness, social isolation, 
very, very high social isolation and, and lack of confidence of going out and high anxiety about going out. And then at the end, they're, they're feeling so much more confidence in themselves. They've The women in the group create amazing connections and just that alone. Uh, and some of those women have stayed. They've kept those friendships but it's kind of like creating a little community and then as their confidence has grown and also creating community connections which is so important so a lot of them the majority of the women who have done this program at the commencement were not working on um, social welfare and single mums so um, a large portion of them have gone off and connected with education or training or volunteer work, or, um, or or have got got jobs. Um, a couple of the ladies have gone into relationships and got married. I've got got a couple of lovely, happy marriage stories out of it. Um, parenting capacity very enhanced. Um, right across the board, and a lot of the women who are on medication, their medication has reduced, if not if not gone totally, um, and because within the program it is a holistic approach and I really really come from this angle of working on your physical well-being your emotional well-being you know your emotional mental well-being um, your family community connections and your spiritual connections and your spiritual well-being and and that that and for many of those women, there was just nothing nothing was in that pack like spirit what does spirituality mean to you nothing. So building that for them as well. So it really is this aspect of um, those four pillars of well-being, working on every one of those four pillars. So for many of them, I mean, I've, I've, I've got some beautiful testimonials, um, a couple are on, on, on the um, website, but saying, you know, that they've got a new focus on their health, they've lost a lot of weight, um, a lot of them, could have had been drinking a little bit too much. Some are doing recreate. Some are doing had done drugs in the past, and some of them potentially doing recreational drugs. But just living a much cleaner, healthier life, and then that how that then goes through to their children that their children are living a healthier life. But the, probably the the huge thing that I love teaching is boundaries, and then from the boundaries comes how to use assertive communication in your life to get your needs met and to be respected. So that. For, for the women, but underneath that is right from week one, I start working on their self-esteem and their self-worth. So start off doing affirmations, mirror work. Um, and for many women, that that is just so hard. They cannot look into a mirror and say, I love you, just cannot. So mm-hmm. by the time I get to week seven, week eight, that's when I'm working on boundaries and teaching boundaries. But because you cannot teach boundaries to somebody who thinks nothing of themselves. So doing that, and so that, you know, in all the feedback I get when I get them to do their evaluations and that, um, and learning red flags, learning red flags, learning the difference between healthy relationship, learning how we, how what's the power of our mind and our thinking processes and understanding these subconscious thoughts that are, are within us and changing that and replacing that with this more positive mindset. And, you know, I've drawn affirmations that it has to be part of your daily life and, and you know, you've got to keep working at this. You can't just do this 15-week program and, and walk away and think, that's it, I'm set for life. Now, this is, this is this journey. And then this is, as I said earlier, 
um, where they are at at the end, they embrace themselves as a woman and they know that, you know, they will stand and say, well, I am a goddamn goddess, you know, and if anyone comes along and disrespects me, it's just not going to happen. There's the door kind of thing. So mm -hmm. that's all All of these parts are all, um, they're, they're, there's, yeah, they're all, all mixed in together. But it's, um, it's amazing and it's wonderful to see. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That sounds absolutely fantastic, Tanya. Congratulations on all the success. And it's, it's really wonderful to hear all these success stories. Um, if our listeners wanted to find out more about you and perhaps even work with you, how would they find you? So I have the, the website for I Am Woman. So it's I Am Woman Empowerment Programs. Um, that's just www. I have got a Facebook page, got an Instagram page. Um, you can connect. You can connect with me through either of those, through the Facebook page or through through the web page. There is a phone number as well. Um, and find yeah, that that would be the best way to go. Fantastic. Thank you for that, Tanya. And I understand that you've also got a gift for our listeners. That's right. If anyone would like to connect with me, um, if you do go to the website, I offer a 30-minute um, session. I can do a Zoom call or a phone call. And um, if you'd like, yeah, just 30-minute um, opportunity to have a conversation, whatever it is, if there's something that you'd like um, to ask me some advice on or this is, you're just curious about anything. Um, but if you go to the website, the beauty about what I've created with um, the team of therapists that I have, um, some of the therapists that, and, and with myself, there is the capacity to connect through Zoom um, and, and access some, of, some of, of what's offered. Obviously, a couple of the therapists are as hands-on, but, um, but, yeah, there, there, is, there is capacity to access our, um, our packages. We've got a healing and empowerment package um the 15-week program i'm in the process of converting that to online so that's something that will be hopefully happening by the end of this year that's really wonderful news thank you so much tanya for all that you shared and for for the wisdom that you've brought into this conversation your embodied wisdom around gender-based violence and how it's never too late to to really step onto that healing journey and get out of those vicious cycles so thank you. Exactly. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Mm, thank you so much. Now, everybody, just for a moment, let's focus our intention and our awareness on this beautiful energy that's been activated. And imagine sending this energy to everybody, everywhere on our planet, especially to women who are going through tough times, to remember that we are all one. And the more of us have the courage to step into our sacred feminine power, the more quickly our planet will also heal and ascend. Thanks so much for listening.